0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac,
1: and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Wrapping up our second football season here at the Redcast, and all I can say is,
0: not all four and eight seasons are made the same.
1: So true, my friend, so true. Also with Mac.
2: Yes, Red Casters, the end has come. It is so sad, though. The weather reflects the coldness in my heart right now, so we'll travel through it. Here comes basketball season. Feeling good.
1: (laughs) That's right, that's right. Boomer.
3: Well, I'm just really looking forward to an exciting segment today. We're really hoping to get Emma with the Iowa band in from uh, Twitter to uh, talk about the Nebraska-Iowa rivalry, (laughs) waving or not waving. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Emma uh, took uh, some flack for a some fake news potentially there. feels like most Nebraska fans felt that uh, coaching staff and team did properly waive. But, hey, everybody has a right to their opinion. It's not necessarily uh, Twitter-worthy, though, Emma, so keep that in mind. All right, guys. Well, um, we uh, we suffered a loss. I asked a question a few weeks ago, when's the next time we we're going to lose? And you know, Honky picked, I think, 2022 And we didn't quite get there. It it happened on Black Friday, but it was a close one. Um, Right down to the end, it wasn't necessarily feeling like it was going to be that close for a little bit. You know, hockey had the had the pleasure to get to watch the game with you, and I I tell you, that third quarter, beginning of the third quarter, it did not look bright. Um, What were your your thoughts as we were watching the game?
0: Well, I I liked it when Iowa when French would throw the ball three straight times on a possession. That was a great way of of uh, keeping us kind of around there. But in general, it was a little bit of kind of how the season's gone. We, we, There's so much improvement. We're so much better than we were a year ago. Look at the box scores of Iowa a year ago to this year. So things are better, yet there were some third and fourth down defenses where we just couldn't get off the field. And I think ultimately those were the things that, that kept us from being able to win. But offensively, put up 400 yards on them uh we were able to to get some running yards on them too and that's something that we've struggled to do against big 10 teams uh prior to this season so you know it sounds like a broken record but lots of lots of things to be optimistic about and some of the same areas that need to be addressed
1: i hear you boomer you actually made the trek to iowa city uh with your family so uh what'd you see there in person
3: well i saw quite a few things there um First thing I will say, most Iowa fans aren't like Emma, uh, at least in person. Most of them were actually fine, fine, upstanding individuals, didn't have a problem with any <laughs> of them, so I'll give them a shout-out for that. Uh, I will say that uh, we are miles ahead of Iowa in terms of concession abilities and speed and being able to count hot dog buns to hot dog ratios. It's must be <laughs> tricky in Iowa City, I don't know. Uh, little things. Yeah, and, and the stadium was... Not the most exciting place to see a game. Their their audiovisual department's probably on par with I don't know maybe you know North Loop, Scotia High School's audiovisual club. I don't know something <laughs> like that. There, there's work that so, needs to be done there, Iowa. They're telling me a Hawkeye Vision is not exactly a
1: top flight program. Now.
3: No, no, that it needs a little bit of work. I think it, it might all be on a 32 inch CRT is what they're showing in the in the stadium. There, I mean, that's okay. if
1: I heard you're right, you're saying that one entire big screen on one side of the field just was not working it was just blacked
3: out apparently it's new and they just didn't bother to plug it in at all for the season I don't know maybe (laughs) just the power button something like that so they had one working big screen which you were asked to crane your neck to look at Hawkeye vision which you could not see from where most Nebraska fans were so didn't get to see a whole lot of replays or anything resembling statistics or you know things like that during the game so made it a challenge
1: well, that, that game day experience may explain some of the empty seats that we did see during the. the you game know there. that so.
3: does actually. The more I think about it, and it makes a lot more sense the way the fans acted in the stadium versus like the rivalry that back and forth you get online on the internet. I think the fans that actually are dedicated enough to be willing to go to an Iowa game in those sorts of circumstances aren't the type who are really aggressive on online or on Twitter or insulting. Sure. And a lot of the Iowa fans that don't go to the games are those that are, you know, the internet warriors that are more than willing to, you know, cause trouble and, you know, try to, try to get everyone's dander up. But that's just a just a hypothesis I had on that. Yeah.
2: No, that's yeah. a good point. It's a good point. No. Uh, Mac, uh, what were your takes on the game? Yeah, it's an interesting game. It was kind of one you were hoping you didn't see where Iowa's able to kind of run it right at us and you know you were sort of hoping that some of those problems had been erased with uh, Duvall and the the strength program but at the same time uh, a lot of ground has been made in one off season so we got pushed around all day but we what we pushed back all day too which was nice to see you know I don't think we were gassed at the end I think we were they were always a little bit stronger than us but but we played hard the whole way so that was good to see Um, I guess all I can say to the Iowa fans is I hope you've enjoyed it. Because next year it's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, the, the, we were that close this year, and we made plenty of mistakes. It's one of those games. Um, yeah, the, the teams the teams getting better. You know, this is the most uh, palatable four and whatever win team that I've I've had the uh, pleasure to root for.
1: Yeah, yeah. As Honky said, this is a different four and eight than last year's four and eight. There's no doubt about that. Well, let's uh, let's uh, take a, an approach here where let's let's break down the Iowa game, the season and, and maybe the progression we've made over the last 12 games by handing out some grades uh, by unit and uh, uh, Honky, let's start with the offensive side of the ball and uh, let's go with the offensive line. So, what did you see out there uh, on Friday with the O-line and and how does that relate to what you saw over the season?
0: Well, I think just in general, we're going to Talk about a lot of improvement came out of the O-line from start to finish. Uh, if you go back to Colorado, you had a different lineup. You had Conrad at center and, and Farmer at right tackle. You had a th- right guard. You had three seniors in the center of the line flanked by, by two sophomores uh, about midway in the season. They make that switch, put Bo Wilson, the sophomore, in at right guard. That moves Farmer over. And now we have three sophomores coming back next season. And I think that's really uh, an important piece there because we've, we've got some – some experience coming back to next year. Um, we were at our best throughout the season, I, I believe, in the run game. Our tackles did really nice jobs where they would pull inside and cut up field. And, and we've got some plays that are really, we're getting a, a man on a body every single play. I mean, there's not a lot of just flat out whiffs. We we didn't have uh, a lot of alignment issues. We didn't have jumping off sides anymore you know, by the end of the season. Those are areas of, of major improvement areas that we didn't do as well in against Iowa. When we would sit Martinez in a pocket, and if I was an Iowa fan, I'd want to see that every play. If we put him in a pocket and didn't use his feet, um, they were able to collapse that that line several times. And Espinosa and Nelson, they've got some big guys on the D line. They've got some tall guys that could knock down a pass or two. Um, there were times where we would literally just have a five-man pocket, and there were times that those got those got collapsed. I, In general, we have to get better with that. I also... Just my preference, i like to see us use Martinez's feet and get him out of that pocket more often.
1: Sure. Mac, uh, why don't we run with that theme just a little bit? I I think it was interesting watching the game with Honky. He's just like, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we setting up Martinez to be a a pocket passer versus Iowa? And I I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, probably one of the best offensive production uh, against Iowa was – Purdue, who I think dropped 39 against Iowa, and I imagine Purdue did some pocket passing. I, I don't know what led to that game plan, but Honky's right though. I mean, we when he was in the pocket, Martinez actually had a lot of pressure on him. That Iowa line is huge; uh, they can knock down passes, and and I mean, I think Heimus and uh, Farniak did okay on the edges, but there's a couple times they just got flat out beat. So, what would you see there in those situations?
2: You know. Th- I do I do agree that the the line has come a long way, and particularly working as a unit. Um, you do see the, the tackles kind of get, especially in this game, get a little overwhelmed, by, but not totally getting beat. You know, they kind of stayed in front of their guy, and if Adrian would have maybe stepped up a little bit in the pocket, um, or just taken off, because it was strange. I felt like he was not running... Um, it wasn't as quick to run as I would have liked to see him do, but, but you know that might serve him well later on in his career. The fact that he does keep his eyes downfield a lot, and as he gets more familiar with this offense and knows where to look, but it was kind of frustrating in a game like this where you feel like, man, all we need is a couple first downs here to get this ball really going. Um, but you know, nitpicky stuff at him, you know, and the and tackles again. That's that's Duvall getting back in there, and getting stronger for those guys. Uh, uh Espinosa's a he's legit I mean th- those guys are actually pretty good so I have no problem really with how the line played against him we needed to make some more plays and we didn't and that's what this season's kind of always been about it's just a few plays here and there so um it was no different against Iowa and again this is our first this is our first go with it so um I I feel pretty good about the whole thing
1: yeah I I, I hear you Boomer you know uh do you think that – I mean, we're talking about progression here, right? And the O-line, it got better or not. It sounds like Mack and Hockey definitely got better. I think everybody's saying that Greg Austin did a great job on this. But do you feel like the Iowa game was one of their better performances? Or do you feel maybe they, you know, struggled a little bit with that that, that D-line that Iowa brought to them?
3: Well, I mean, they still they, – they struggled some. I mean, they were, they were clearly sacks that Martinez was taking, and some of that might just well have been the game plan we were calling, like Honky addressed, we weren't running Martinez in some of those situations when you don't normally think of him as a pocket passer, I don't know if he, that's, I mean, he's good at it, he's, he can throw passes, but is that the best you say his abilities Where maybe we're asking a lot out of the offensive line at that point to have him in that situation where you're trying to have to defend him as a pocket passer, so it, it might be just the situation they were put in makes it hard to judge how much they progressed in that one game. Um, but they did get better, I think, for the most part this season. I, I don't think that's anything anyone could
1: argue. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, we'll we'll get back to Adrian here in a second. Let's uh, talk about wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, honky, uh, we lost J.D. Spillman again for the second game, and I think that had a big impact. I mean, think about this. We lost Iowa by three points. Honestly, our you know second or third or fourth-best player – was not on the field again and that makes a big difference on the offensive side of the ball overall what do you think about the utilization of uh, the wide receivers Cade warner got a, a couple of catches and in, including an important two-point conversion tight ends were involved in the game or mm-hmm. how do you grade those guys out
0: yeah uh, you know some of those sacks or some of those times where martinez might be holding onto the ball when you don't have a spielman out there and he was your your second outlet on some of those plays or maybe your first outlet who knows how that that plays a role into holding onto that ball one more second, right? But obviously Spielman, you know, was our leading receiver uh, at least in catches going into that game. I think he still was, and then you know eventually Morgan uh, took him over. But he was a huge part of the part of the game plan throughout the season. Uh, the receiving core, I will say, just along the same lines with the offensive line, just got better. Flat out got better as the year went on. You think about what we were doing back in Colorado, and you had Tyjon Lindsay still out there. To by the end of the year, Warner's making those plays. And that was a guy that nobody, you know, had on their on their uh, short list of guys that were going to be playing. Uh Mike Williams and Woodyard, you gotta step up next year. Those are JUCO guys that I think we were counting on more this year. Now I will give Mike Williams some credit. That guy was a blocker. That guy could block yeah, true. and and he was out there quite a bit and and it was on plays throw the ball out, flare passes outside. And I thought maybe only behind uh Morgan I thought he was our best blocker on the outside so that's that's a credit to Williams and he'll get he'll get more snaps because of that guys like McQuitty Dave you were mentioning it like who could possibly even body type fill into kind of that role that Morgan had and McQuitty is a guy that body type could now he has a Mm -hmm. ridiculous amount of work to get there but um but in general tight ends they played more there stole that kid is really starting to come into his own so a uh, lot of progress there at the receiving area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mac, you know, stole uh, almost had a, a touchdown catch by Adrian, who just just overthrew him, and then he eventually got him at the end of that drive. Uh, tight ends definitely advanced, huh?
2: Yeah, the tight end group in particular of that split to me has is, is made the most progress. Those guys, and that might be at a that might be the result of Adrian getting better at getting to those guys in his reads, or it might be that they are clear in, in, in getting free more and he's seen him. So it's probably a combination of both more than likely the receiving core. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed with the development throughout the year. I mean, Stanley, our frontline guys have been good, um, but really behind those guys, we've really kind of been hoping that some guys are competing. I mean, Warner's a good player, solid player, um, good blocker. And I like him out there, but When you have a guy like Mike Williams, you have a guy like a McQuitty out there, a Woodyard, these guys you hear about this track speed, and we're not getting them the ball very consistently, that's a little bit of a concern for me because we don't have a Stanley next year, and J.D. Spielman has yet to make it through a full season. You know, so yeah, that's a good point. I, I, when who are we going to have then? I mean, this this offense it's kind of important to have playmakers on the outside. So that's a it's going to be no small thing replacing him. So the tight ends and but the tight ends do have some exciting guys. Katarian that that got McGriff. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not too worried about it. Frost seems to be able to find playmakers.
0: Yeah, think about you know uh Azigbo in Washington. They ended up third and fourth on the team in, in catches and yards this year. So, well, I mean, Washington showed mm-hmm. a lot of potential. You know, so you're getting that kind of production. And it wasn't huge production, don't get me wrong. It was a huge drop-off from Morgan and Spielman down to number three. But the fact of the matter is, number three and number four, to your points there, Mac, they weren't the Williams. They weren't Woodyards. They weren't receivers. They were running backs. Which yeah, is probably exactly how this offense point. will
2: go, too. Because like you've talked about before that, those swing passes are kind of an extension
1: of the running game. So it makes sense that those will go, too the running backs though yeah yeah i think that's just what we're going to see going forward boomer i mean as as we go forward on this do you have a sense of anybody who's going to emerge uh next year to contribute more uh in the receiving core
3: yeah that's a good question you know the guys brought up all the, the typical names that we see um you know, Maurice Washington's going to have some big, big, you know, shoes to fill picking up for Ozigbo's production. He had a couple of drops and a few of those swing passes against yeah. Iowa, for example. You know, he's got to make those. I mean, especially if we're down receivers like we were with Spielman and, you know, we don't have anyone quite stepping into that role yet or clear who that's going to be. So there's going to be a decent weight, I think, on his shoulders and, you know, whoever else we might have as a as that second running back, you know, to to fill that slot, That kind of like uh, Washington's filling this year. So yeah. I'm not sure who that's going to be. You know, maybe it will be another running back that's going to step up and kind of become that fourth receiver for the team. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, we, let's let's move on to the backfield with quarterbacks and, and running backs, and, and that's a really good point, Boomer, with Maurice Washington in the sense that I think next year uh, maybe he's a 1,000-yard back, maybe someone like Dedrick Mills is a 1,000-yard running back, but you're going to really be counting – uh, Maurice Washington on touches, right Honky, it's not about just like how many yards from, from rushing he's going to get, but it's yards from scrimmage almost that you're going to be paying attention with with Maurice Washington next year.
0: Certainly. I mean, he gets involved in so many more ways than just running the ball. Although, speaking of that, Husk guys on Twitter, he posted a thing about the top 5 running backs yards per carry in the Big 10 this year, and out of the top 5, Nebraska had number 4 and number 5 a Zigbo and Washington. Zigbo had 7 right. yards a carry. Uh, Mo Washington had 5.9, so that was that's impressive. It's it's also you know so having two of the top five that's a good recruiting pitch for for running backs down the road too. But you look at the running game that we had, and for the people you know, I mentioned that we were four and eight a year ago, we were four and eight this year, and not all four and eights are the same. Look at this offensive stat here. In in 2017, we had three and a half yards a carry on offense for, for running the ball. Three and a half yards. That's up to 5.4 yards a carry, almost two more yards a carry this year. So for run-the-damn-ball guys out there, like myself, hard to be you know, unhappy with that kind of production and that kind of improvement. Uh, we had 12 more rushing touchdowns than we did in 2017. And Martinez, overall, he led all qualifying freshmen in the nation in total offense at 291, 95.1 yards a game. Uh, and that counts as number 16 in the country overall. I'm not sure what qualifying freshman means, but that's the stat I saw, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to double-check it. I'm just going to go off of what I read. So you know, There's a ton of areas that, that with the backfield that we can fall back on and feel really good about, but I'll tell you this. Ziegbo is a huge loss, and I don't think anybody was seeing that three months ago, and it's a credit to Ryan Held how this guy got developed, but it's also now a huge hole that needs to be filled.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, Mac. I mean, yeah, you, you're a running back type of guy. You have to agree with that one. But I mean, we'll, let, let's hope we can find that. But also, uh, the development of, of Martinez is is worth of note too, right? I mean, how far has that guy come in just twelve weeks? Yeah, oh my gosh, that that guy's been the the story of the season. He's the reason that everything's everybody's
2: got that warm feeling in their tummy. You know, <laughs> like Adrian <laughs> Martinez is for real, and his improvement has been uh, well documented throughout the season. He's he's a Beyond his years and his maturity, um, that backfield is exciting with the with the freshmen we have back there and the explosive playmaking ability they have. You know, I don't think it'd be if this offense is working the way it's supposed to. I could see having two thousand yard rushers easily on this team, whether it be the running back, two running backs, or the quarterback and running mm-hmm. back. I mean, I just see like the way Zigbo's carries were low. I mean, seven yards a carry. Yeah, that's. that's Come on. I mean, in Mo Washington. That's what this offense does, though, exactly, right? Mac? Exactly, I exactly. Mean, right? And with, with a guy like Adrian, you know, you don't want his carries much over than what they've been, like 10, 10 a game if they're effective, you know, when they can kill you. That guy, like I said before, him keeping his eyes down the field, that's only going to serve him better as this as this goes on. And for a freshman, that's, that's impressive. I mean, the sky's the limit with this guy. Cannot wait.
0: Yeah, he in 11 games ended up with 600 and some yards rushing this year. And, right. and so, I mean, you, you would think that would be a, that would have been 700 yards if he had a 12th game, right? Easy. And, yep. and just being better and being healthy the whole season, yeah, 1,000 yards is not out of, out of line for him. And my favorite game of the season offensively was the Ohio State game, and that is the one where he did have 21 carries, I think. That's high. Don't get me wrong. That's high. But that's – I like his feet – putting stress on defenses. And that's where I think even against Iowa, even when he's in the, the pocket, it, it just becomes that mentality of like when he's outside moving around, that defense is stressed by what he's doing to them. And we give them an out when he just sits, the more times he just sits in a pocket, you know? Sure, and sure, well, uh, it's the same thing, Dave, as you and I were watching the game, we felt it about Iowa. If they sat back in a pocket and threw it, we are like, yay, it's a win. Even if they completed, it, it's like, we want them to do that. Because they were running the ball all over us. If I'm Iowa, I want to see Martinez sitting in a pocket trying to throw it and pick us apart. Even if he completes it, I still want to see that because I don't want to see him running around.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, Boomer, maybe you can look up real quick how many uh, carries Adrian had in this game. But as I was watching with Honky, and I'll throw this question out to anyone, is that it was interesting in the sense that it it felt like we were – allowing Martinez to become a pocket passer there for really the first half and into the third quarter. And at halftime, I'm asking, Hockey is like, I mean, I hear what you're saying. We have to use Adrian's feet, and we need to stress that defense, but why are we not doing it, right? And it's not it wasn't obvious. Uh, but then in the second half, when that offense got going, finally on that 98-yard drive, uh, suddenly Adrian's feet were a part of the game plan so I think that was a, a big difference. It was just, we held it back for a half almost it felt like you know
0: I agree I mean that a 98 yard drive is, is hard to do anytime and there's a lot of plays but what I think what moves the ball the most there were one or two plays David we were watching it where I, I think they were even called probably pocket plays and he just scrambled out and ended up getting yes. six or seven yards. The point is, that was better than an incompletion. That was better than throwing the ball into Nelson's hands. You know, 6'8 guy raising his hands and knocking it down like we saw a couple times. Him just getting out of the pocket. How frustrating is that to a defense when you've done everything right? You've rushed right. You're covering right. And all it takes is the quarterback to just kind of not even, doesn't even look like he's sweating. He just kind of strolls outside and just runs and gets six yards. You know what that looks like? That looks like Deshaun Watson to me. That looks like you know these other great quarterbacks sure. at other schools that are mobile. Looks like the Mariota's. It looks like the guys that just just easily go and get 6 yards on a play. And if you can just do that anytime, and that's what it feels like Martinez yeah. can do. Oh, that's frustrating. And it's
2: such a cheap yeah. way to kind of get into tempo. You know what I mean? You can just kind of cheat and get in there with one like 10-yard run by your quarterback, and that can throw the defense off enough to jump right into your tempo game. So it's a big weapon if you can get it.
1: Yeah. Boomer, uh, did I see that right? 17 carries? Yeah, 17 carries is what he was and, credited with in that game. So. Wow. And it for it comparison, like Zigbo
3: only had 10. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It, it didn't feel like he had a lot in that first half at all. So, And I, I think Hockey's right. A lot of those weren't necessarily – Quarterback run calls. It was a bit of the scrambling uh, uh, element that ultimately led to those those carries. That's really interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, let's do special teams before we go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Boomer, uh, hot and cold on this one. Uh, look. Looks like Barrett Pickering is uh, going to be the real deal here for the next three years, so that's a huge relief, right? Yeah, I mean his field goals aren't always pretty, but uh, they're effective. And uh,
3: thanks again, Iowa, for that offsides in that one, giving him an extra five yards which he needed on that one kick to
1: to get that one through. So you were you were at the game, Boomer. Was that towards you or away from you? That would have been towards me.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and and the wind was against him at that point. Is that correct? It was.
3: Or it was I, kind I, I, of- it was hard to tell how big of a factor the wind was. I, I, it clearly wasn't nearly as strong as it was in the Michigan State game. Uh, right. Yeah. You, certainly, they had that big screen and the big uh, kind of wall on that side of the field, which I think was really blocking a lot of the wind down on the field itself. I just so, thought it was
1: interesting yeah. in the sense that when he kicked the first one, which was 51 yards, it looked good and it was short, and I'm like, oh man, he, you know, he missed that. And then the five yards got to 46. And if you watch the replay for the second one, he clears it by like 10 yards. So yeah. I feel like he hit it clean the second time or maybe just simply had a little bit uh, better of a win condition, you know. But yeah. The point is, I mean, Pickering has gone from someone we were very concerned with uh, the first few games to someone that we now are starting to have confidence in um, to, to make important kicks. I mean, that's not, that was not an easy kick to make, uh, not just distance wise but situation right he's so.
3: shown it a couple of weeks in a row now i mean under
1: bad conditions and questionable conditions again they
3: don't have to be pretty as long as they go through the uprights. so I mean, it doesn't matter how they get there just
1: make sure they do yeah i imagine honky mac you take the Frost's ross uh, approach to kicking and you just like hands off and long as they're starting to make them you, you don't mind right yeah yeah it's just good to see it did it does change the way you feel a little bit after he made a few uh field goals
2: um and I do yeah. like on the I do like on the kickoff units how how we've been playing more aggressive. We look like we're going down there trying to hit some people, and that's kind of fun. I mean, those guys are looking; yes. they're cruising downfield with bad intentions. Stovall and, is like, yeah, yeah, they're they're heat absolutely. seekers, so that's that's been fun to watch. Yeah, but the the kicking situation's been almost hilarious this yeah, year.
0: Stovall, yeah. uh Cam Taylor, number seventeen; those guys on some yep. of those kickoffs, I mean, they. I mean, it's making a huge difference. We're getting guys getting hits out there, and and. People aren't getting past about the twenty-five anymore. Now the last three or four games, we mentioned that ninety-eight-yard drive that we had. That doesn't happen if we don't fake a punt at our three-yard line, which is just ballsy. But you know what? That that was a great
1: at that point yep, of the game. We had it was a great
0: something. move by Frost to just recognize the situation and go. We're not stopping their offense right now. And yeah, but and it's the same argument that I think Boomer and I had. Back at Ohio State, when we called the timeout and it was fourth and inches, and we didn't go for it, and we were like, "I know it it goes against all the the books to say, you know, kick it from your own 10, but it's like we just got to keep the ball in our offensive hands at that time. Well, he did that this time from an even worse down and distance, but it was the right move, and and well, yeah, that that led the exactly. whole I'm comeback. Still
3: convinced- even even in this game I think he should have gone for it when it was what did we have fourth and three at the 10 I know it was early in the game um, when he settled for that first field goal that we had it was what 14 to seven at that point you know I would like to have seen him you know gamble at that point because again what did we have to lose you know that's he seems sure. to kind of take that attitude later in the game which I suppose is a traditional thing to do but yeah I, I, I'd want to see him just be a little more aggressive in those situations
1: well Mac maybe I'll throw this one to you I mean I, I could see this change next year. As this offense evolves and they feel like they have a even bigger playbook, UCF was more aggressive last year, right? When, when Scott that felt that uh, uh, Milton could make any play in the book, I, I think he felt more confident to go for it in those situations. Maybe that that's coming for us, you know? Oh yeah, this is a
2: sign of things to come for sure. We're gonna we're gonna be
1: aggressive,
2: and and the defense is gonna be aggressive, and we're gonna try to strip sack, and we're I mean, this is how it's gonna be. We. He was as aggressive with this team as I think he felt he could be and still try to have a respectable score, but I like it. I mean, what the hell, man? We've been boring to watch for a long time. This is a lot more fun to watch, (laughs) you know? It's resulting in yards and touchdowns and fun games, so let's be aggressive.
1: Yeah. Well, let's head over to to defense here. Uh, Just really quick, though, Boomer the, uh, the kickoff uh, mistake there by Mo Washington, the, those things got to get cleaned up too, though, right?
3: Oh, absolutely. It's just been one of the just consistent themes of this season, just the mistakes that we have made on special teams, you know, outside of just bad kicks. Just inability to have great returns, just poor decision-making on some of those kickoffs. Uh, you know, some of that is just youth, you know, out there playing or yeah. some young players out there playing. That probably does take a little time and... It's not always easy to have those thoughts in your head of, okay, here's what happened, here's what I need to do in this situation. But that's just something you got to practice and really yeah, drill we'll that have, in so that does become we'll automatic. Nine, yeah.
1: yeah, we'll have nine months more of that uh, right. before we play another game, and hopefully we don't have those mistakes, those mental errors. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. Uh, going over to the defensive side of the ball, let's start a little bit on that really important uh, f- uh, fourth down where they actually fake the field goal and And we stop him where'd what, what you think of there guys?
3: Well, I was just thankful Ference was apparently thinks this is a rivalry which and really wanted to rub it in our faces by going for the touchdown there uh, if he kicks that field goal and it's an eighteen point game, whole tenor of it might change it's three scores, and that probably deflates a lot of
1: a lot of the sidelines and a lot of people in the stands i mean it's it's true I mean uh, hockey Mac it's interesting Ference was pretty aggressive in this game, right we can point this this play out in particular as well as the 4th and 8th at the end of the game where, I, you know, I, I don't know where I read this, but someone said, oh, 5 years ago maybe he doesn't even do that, right? But uh, he clearly was going for the jugular maybe based off of the last 2 years where we folded in the sure. past and that touchdown would have made it 35-13 and it would have felt pretty hopeless at that point, especially if you think this is the same team that they, they played last year in Lincoln and just routed yeah. them. So you could see where he was thinking. Yeah. But it sure backfired. Prince
0: out. is the—he's the reason Iowa can't have nice things. It, it, I mean, <laughs> my goodness, go up by eighteen and the game is over. Yeah, you're trying to—you know—I guess if nothing else, it was—I'm glad he did it, right? Because it did set the course of us coming back and making this a twenty-eight to twenty-eight game. It is the difference between what Nebraska Iowa has been the last three years under Riley and this year. Um, we we aren't going away. And this is, you take your shots now. Frost said, take your shots against us now, right? Well, he did it, and it failed on him. And it almost cost him at the yeah. end. And God bless Iowa. They won it. They won eight and four. He got another $500,000 bonus for that. And again, that's why you guys can't have nice things because you care about being eight and four. And
1: it's yeah, just yeah, ridiculous. Ma- Mac, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he, he, there was a $500,000 bonus that, that uh, Ferenc, Ferenc I, I always get his last name wrong, but it doesn't really matter anyway. Um Boomer you can clarify how much money he got for that that win but uh you know we can we can call out wow why did he do that three points would have probably been enough but the bottom line is though the defense made a play there for us yeah. right i mean let's let's talk about That's that That's what i
2: liked i mean it it showed to me that they were still laser focused on winning this game you know that would that this team last year that would have been a sloppy touchdown they would have walked right in on it would have been embarrassing but but Gifford was tuned in and he was ready to make a play so um, it did change the momentum but it was because of, of a better disciplined team that we got to capitalize on it so uh, and and again did it spark the team yeah probably did they did this did Iowa feel like they needed to maybe slam the door shut on this because the offense scared them a little bit and maybe I mean eventually we did come alive and 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 did threaten these guys so i don't know if it was out of a lack of respect or maybe out of respect that he just really wanted to stomp us out because maybe we're a dangerous team um at the end i'm glad he did because it made that game that was not enjoyable at all to watch a lot more enjoyable um so <laughs> that's like, a good point. you know like i think it's it's true like what he said with frost saying get your shots in now i think that was one of the shots we had to take so you've made
1: the list iowa congrats that's right. Yeah, it's Potentially Revenge Tour 2019 coming up, right, guys? Mm. Uh, hockey, uh, let's, let's talk about that defensive line, which uh, the Iowa offensive line really did be able to push around quite yep. a bit. Um, and one of the reasons that the game kind of progressed as it did is we just didn't have a lot of offensive possessions because the Iowa uh, uh, offense stayed in the field for so long and was able to convert down over third down they really just chipped away four or five yards at a time it wasn't pretty it wasn't fancy they were pretty much ran the same play over and over again and you could just tell watching it f- at the snap if they were going to get four or five yards or not because the push that they were establishing so wh- what's that d line how did you see them in this iowa game and and um, overall through the season
0: overall throughout the season <clears throat> i don't know that i I don't know that I, I have uh, you know huge opinions on whether they got drastically better or not. I'm, I'm sure from a technical standpoint, maybe they did in some cases. But that last game, I mean, we saw them get manhandled at times. From a, a pure scheme standpoint, we talked about it, Dave, during the game. There was times where you'd do like a bare front. And essentially what we're looking at there is you're looking at the three down linemen are almost, they're almost all bunched in right on guard center, maybe kind of in the guard tackle uh, uh, gap on the other side. But they're, they're bunched in. That's the bear. Well, during that, that alignment, that's where you saw a lot of off-tackle kind of runs, whether they were straight off-tackles or something up the middle, and then they'd bounce it out, or they'd cut it back. But they were almost all exclusively going through a gap, an area between the tackle and where an outside linebacker would be. And those were pretty open at times. Um, we made some switches at times. You could tell that we kind of spread that D-line out had the d-line really cover tackle to tackle and then it simply became a thing of execution on some plays you could tell it right at the snap hey we're gonna we're gonna defend the play right at the line of scrimmage we there was no push by him but then the next play you'd have a nose tackle get pushed back five yards and when those things happened it was Mm -hmm. just it was so instantaneous you could just tell oh no this play isn't gonna go well but then the next play we do okay so Fast forwarding to next year, you know, what do you need to do? Is it just, do we just need to get stronger? Do we Is it a recruit? We do have a guy like Tony Fair coming in. He's 6'3", 330. He's a JUCO guy. I mean, we're going to need, you know, an infusion of a big guy or two like that because what we have to get is that nose tackle spot solidified. And it's a combination of recruiting somebody. It's a combination of a Daniel Davies, or Daniels, sorry, Daniels um, getting bigger and stronger and just another year of of Duvall. Um, who knows about the Vanuco guy, the Utah transfer. I mean, we saw nothing right. of him. Yep. But we need to be able to get Carlos Davis pushed out to end. I mean, I just really believe that. It, he's just, not just big enough. Um, unless he has some middle, crazy yeah. off season of another thirty pound gain. You know, sure. unless he does that, we have to get that nose tackle solidified because I think we can we've got about four or five guys that we can really I think played the DN spots. Well, Deandre Thomas coming back, Ben Stille, the Davis twins. We've got guys that can play those outside spots, but it's that nose tackle. And it's such a crucial spot. Uh, you know, between Tony fair and the guys that we mentioned, we just, we've got to get that, that spot solidified.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mac, we've been trying to find that dude for, it feels like a decade now at this point. All right. Especially in a three, four situation, you just gotta have someone that like can, can hold up against, Anything and really take on double teams, etc. I mean, I don't know. You have hope that this is going to happen next year? It's a tough one. It's a it's a tough spot
2: to it's recruit an instant impact player. I think that's why the development part becomes so crucial. Um, they're almost going to have to build a frame. You know, it's going to be one of those deals. And every two year cycle, it's going to take to maybe get a guy in that position unless you get a superstar. But hopefully, you know, this will be year two of that, and we can see we'll finally get a good idea what talent we have on the roster still. I don't I still don't feel like we have a complete handle on who's mm-hmm. who can be an elite player. You know, give mm-hmm. them 2 years of an Aussies and let's see where they're at. You know, we might have that kind of talent presumably on the offense or excuse me on the on the line based off what rivals has told us. So, I'm not going to rule yeah. that out yet. Um, there's a lot of guys who didn't play this year, so mm-hmm. we'll see how it how that looks when they come back. Um, I, listen, you would ask me last year about Devine Azigbo. I would have never said he could do what he did. You know, Lamar Jackson is on is now at a point where I would consider him a strength. Yep. Uh, that I would have never said that a year ago. So,
1: uh, oh, a month ago you wouldn't have said <laughs> right, you, <laughs>
2: exactly. So, um, that's exciting to me about this, this staff, about what we've got going on here. Is as I don't know who's who we all have on the team just yet, uh, but I do think we have a lot of a lot of guys that are. Like culture, that I think we—I'm so happy we don't have to talk about culture anymore because yeah. it's a—it's you know it's such feels, a catchphrase it's, word. It's true but that's in now it's work.
0: Well, think think about for instance like there are Ed Olivers out there, the guy that went to Houston and was a freshman All American right. kind of guy. You can get some of those, but Dave, I'll ask you and it's a softball question: Who's the best defense lineman Nebraska's had the last ten years?
3: Yeah, Sue. and Dominic
0: and Sue. How many years did it take for him to actually start having an impact on the on the D line? It was, yeah, I mean, he, it was his third year. It was his probably, fourth. I mean, he redshirted, and fourth, then it was yeah. year four I mean, before he even yeah. really started to kind of scratch the surface of what of what his ability was. And then it was his fifth four. year where he, you know, was taking down awards and becomes the number right. two pick.
1: Right.
0: That, that position I mean, is that, that's, that, just that way. I, I got to
1: say, though, I mean, Boomer, that has to be concerning, right? If it's going to take five years to get, get someone in place to do this, that we we need those Ward Addies down down low to actually beat the Iowas and in wisconsin's right
3: yeah that doesn't fill you with a whole bunch of confidence i mean if we're gonna sit here and say yeah like
1: you said if it's another five
3: years till we're able to push wisconsin around are we going to be patient enough to to put up with what potentially nine straight losses to a team like iowa okay oh, okay well then oh, here no, okay, no, let, no, me, no, okay let, let me let me give you
0: right. let me give you the other scenario using sue he went through three years of, yeah. of callahan and it was, yep. it was his second year of that off-season training, um, oh gosh, with, uh, Pelini. with Pelini and right. I can't think of the 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 weight, Dotson, Dotson. yeah, the Iowa guy, basically, Dotson. But yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, it took two years with the right training there in the right system to get it. So again, can the guys that we have, maybe it is a Davis twin still, it could be, but is it Daniels or is it Vanuko or is it Tony Fair coming in? You know, right. can another offseason? I, I have so much faith and confidence in Duvall and what they're doing that I just, I'm so excited to see that D line, what they look like next year. What, what, what is Ben Stilley going to be like? at Walker? Do you think yeah.
3: it's gonna, is it going to take somebody like a Sue Ooh. to make this D successful? I mean, I look at other teams that we play, you know Iowa or Wisconsin, they never have a player quite you know the impact of Sue, not that anyone ever does, but they generally are successful you know in the in the big ten in the west and against us specifically
1: yeah l- let me twist this a little bit to Mac and and honky then uh is that could it could just simply be a matter of of not not one dude, but like if we had the depth right that by the third and fourth quarter because we can rotate some guys in and out and they're all good enough to really contribute that we do have the, the strength and, and and build the to hold up over an entire four quarter game. Sue
0: is a bad example for us to bring up because this is a once in a generational yeah. guy. And and, yep. and even though they were running a different defense, a four three versus a three four now, he was he was off on his own. He was two gapping and taking two and three linemen up and freeing up everybody around him and still making plays. So yeah, I would take yes. a Sue every day to be the nose tackle here because he could do the same thing. He could take a guard and a center and a guard and still probably end up making a play. You know, what I mean, <laughs> you'd take that every day, right? But we have the right I it, we have the right system in place. I, I've seen what they were doing at UCF. We watched the the Auburn game, you know, last year the Peach Bowl and that D line were some big dudes. They had big, big guys. They were. and that's something you don't see a lot of times at the power or at the group of five level. They had it. They had three dudes that I would take the same body types at Nebraska. And I think they would they would do just fine. Big guys didn't get pushed around and we have the right off season process. We have the right, you know, uh the strength and conditioning, everything that we're doing, we'll get I know we'll get the guys that we have right now built into it. They'll recruit a few more guys. There's enough bodies to go through. It just they just gotta keep getting better. And I think the Mac brought it up. They didn't get worn down. Now they might have got pushed around a bit, but we weren't getting worn down and we weren't getting injured. That was, I think, the biggest thing—the biggest sign we saw of strength and conditioning and nutrition from year one—was the lack of injuries and just the fact that these guys they didn't seem to get worn down through 12 straight games with no bye week. But well, think how
2: thin our offensive line depth was. Too. Oh yeah, we had like one guy rotate in there, and the offensive line is stayed healthy. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. So next year, next yeah. year, it's just build on that. Just be stronger now. You know, we're not going to get weaker. That's the one thing for Iowa. Iowa, you pushed us around. Awesome. We're not getting weaker uh, at the very least. Even if nothing yep. else changes, even if we don't recruit a single dude, we're not going to be weaker when you play us
2: next year. Yeah, we're not going to start the offseason with a month off No one's
0: getting rabdo. Not working Seriously, out. no one's getting rabdo in January this year. I mean, that's the nope, difference. That's really that's good That's the point. 12-month difference. I feel like we're, fi- we're at a baseline right now. It took it took Frost 12 months to get us to a baseline to where right now we are competing. You look at our last seven games. We went four and three over that time. We lost three games all on the road, one of them to Northwestern who won the division in overtime. We were up by 10, one of them by three Should've points won. at the last minute on the road to Iowa, one of them five points on the road to Ohio State who just blew out Michigan. And we we're at a baseline now where we're competing with every one of those teams, and Frost, now this is you go from here. It took a year to get us to this point.
1: Now take yep, off. That's right. So Mac, we're, we're just talking about the D line, and I think most people started the season felt that front seven would be a strength of the defense, and maybe the D line didn't really advance as much as we wanted to, but um, they didn't take a step back. So let's let's put that out on the grade. But what do you think about those linebackers? Did they move forward this year? you know a couple
2: guys stepped up mo berry obviously he's the he's, he comes to mind it kind of representing everything we needed in terms of buy in and heart and soul and i and actually improving too because his his gameplay did improve um gifford was fun to watch this year as he kind of came on and uh ferguson shows a ton a ton of progress Or promise i should say he he was probably one of the few guys that was kind of dealing with injuries all year long it was kind of hard to get him on the field so and that was a little disappointing cuz it was a position we needed uh, help with. So I, the, the, we're going to, this defense will be, you know, the defensive line is obviously super important, but as we get some more playmakers in that linebacking core, that's going to be a huge part of it. Cause I feel like that schematically we're getting guys to fill. And as, as soon as we get some guys in there who are really good finishers, um, which is maybe what we lack right now on some of the, mm-hmm. the linebacking cores, just some finishers. Uh, this defense will be fun to watch. I, I think the defense is fun to watch anyway. Once we start getting turnovers and stuff, mm-hmm. Um, both sides of the ball be pretty entertaining.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's definitely promise with someone like uh, Jojo Doman coming a linebacker. Yeah, kind of interesting yeah. to see what they do with that. Yeah, we didn't see a lot of Caleb Tanner at the end of the year, though. He actually really went like, away.
2: That was kind of crazy. Yeah. He really went away. I don't know. I never heard anything about an injury, too. But that's a guy you talk about building a, building a player. And those are the kind of guys I think we'll get to kind of offset the fact that we can't recruit like Alabama. He's maybe he'd be a f he'd you know a five star if he was a year more developed, you know, and that's yeah. what we're gonna get with him. And we get the guys that we can kind of build purposefully for our system. Uh that's how we compete with those guys, you know, without being able to recruit at a you know top five level.
0: Is Tanner yeah. did, But that, did, that takes time, right?
2: And takes patience with the fan base. Did Tanner
0: yeah. did Tanner Honky. redshirt did he play more than four games? Uh, I, he has no played way more he had four, to play over. Did, did he yeah. okay he played a lot well, those early. Were, there were three so. guys at the outside linebacker spot that I have highlighted here, Guy Thomas, Caleb Tanner, Breon Dixon. From the the standpoint of getting, you know, guys from the south and the, the, the SEC footprint that's between those three guys, that's twelve stars of recruits. You know, they're all four star guys. Um, you know, what comes out of those guys? Are they do they become all American type players or or do they never play it down for us? You know, we'll We'll find out what happens in the next, you know, the next few months. Breon was a guy that, you know, I really, I was hoping we'd at least see his four games, even if he redshirted. And yeah. obviously, you know, there was Just something didn't. that was kind of keeping him off the field. Whatever that was, um, the, the, there's talent there with those guys. So let's see what happens second offseason, get those guys built up. I think, you know, you never want to see injuries, but injuries ended up benefiting us, I think, with Hannes. Hannes getting injured and only playing four games, coming back next year, being a junior, when I know when we saw Hannes out there, we liked a lot about him, but we also looked at him and go, Man, he looks a little smaller than we thought he'd be as a JUCO coming in. Now, because of the injury, he gets to come back, be a junior again next year, have this second offseason, and and I think and he had a chance to play four games. He had a chance to get exposed out there, kind of, you know, you know, get some games on tape and see what happens. Ferguson is a solid player he's not you know there's he has deficiencies in some areas but he was able to give us some some uh some downs but uh, I think you mentioned it Dave Doman that guy I don't know what they're going to do with him they might move him to to safety they might keep him he's got to stay healthy. stay healthy and hopefully he can there because that guy he's just a playmaker he just finds ways well, I mean, to knock the his... ball out and he's always gets the sack whatever
2: that this will be one of his first off seasons that he'll go into healthy where he can actually train and grow and, and, and get big. I mean, to get the guy's been so snake bitten by this injury thing, I'd be curious to see if they get a chance to build a guy up, if they can help him stay on the field, you know, um, Whatever his body supports, I love how they do that kind of measurement, those metrics they check for bone density and shoulder width, and you know your grip strength to decide whether you should be a linebacker or a placeholder. But you know, like we'll see what they end up doing with him. You know, he uh, he's a, he is a playmaker.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up on the defensive side of the ball with a secondary, which was much maligned at times, but ultimately uh, played some pretty good ball. Uh, And let's start with Lamar Jackson, Mac, probably the guy that we talked the most about this year and probably made the biggest strides.
2: Yeah. I mean, short of Devino Zigbo, right? One of the better stories on on the team. He, uh, you know, much publicized kind of falling out with the coaches he gets benched he comes back he gets his black shirt and he plays good ball you know um the cornerbacks are going to be a strength i think going into next year i think lamar will get more physical he you know he was he was going towards that um they trial by fire this year i mean we're leading a, i mean we're so high in pass breakups both corners and it, you know answered the bell boodle's so willing to do a contact that you know he's a little undersized but He's a hitter. I don't know. I like the I like the cornerback position and, and the guys we have coming up. Cam Taylor saw a lot of action in nickel. Um, you know, you hear good things about uh, number fifteen. Uh, his name is, is that Clark. Braxton Clark. Is that th- Braxton Clark? Braxton Clark. You know, you yeah, hear good things about count. him. Um, it's the safety position. We're going to lose some big time players back there, and that's one that that we're going to need some step ups, and uh, we'll see where that one goes. But Fisher, I. Uh, Hats off to that guy. He won one of the top coaching jobs
1: positionally, I think, of the off season,
2: or of the, of the of the season.
1: Sure, sure, that's a good call. You know, hockey um, in the Iowa game in particular. I mean, I think the secondary played relatively well, and against those tight ends, I mean, we saw some safety matchups. Overall, Fanton Hawkinson, or however you say his last name. Ultimately they made the right catches, but they weren't they didn't kill us across the board. Were you pretty pleased with that overall? Yeah,
0: overall. I mean those guys Iowa is about one of the few teams that uses their tight ends the way that they do, and again, Fant yep. was almost, you know, non existent in this game compared to the last couple that we played. And some of those times when they when we're covering tight ends, they're not even the secondary. That ends up being a you know, a linebacker uh, covering but I think Mac brings up a good thing with Fisher there, a good point. I mean, we're going to go into a, an off season now with a defensive back coach that's going to be here for a second year in a row. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. That's I mean, that's for the first
0: time in, you know, <laughs> six or seven years, it's having some consistency. And that's the thing. That's the thing. And I, I, have, I can't stress this enough for Husker fans because I have to say, say it to myself. There are times where I get frustrated about something. I'm like, oh, we should change that thing or change that thing. And then you almost have to stop and go, Wait what this team needs right now is consistency it needs the same message for another year it needs the same off-season routine it needs a frost hasn't even been here for 12 full months yet you know at this point I mean it's just we just need consistency and keep getting better on that safety the safety spot we're recruiting some guys Toby Wright's kid and there were some other ones that we're certainly starting to build a body type of getting 6'3 6'4 kind of kind of dudes that there guys. At safety, yep. Mac mentioned it at, at the corner spot with Bull Jackson and Boodle. Is that we came into the season really having no idea what our corners were going to look like, and we end the season going into the off season, we feel pretty good about that position. Like we feel pretty good about who those two guys are going to be next year. There will be a little bit of added depth behind them too, so it's getting better. It's progress, and uh, yeah, against you know against Iowa, I thought I thought they played pretty well overall the secondary
2: you know that's a great point about the corners Matt the fact that both of them stayed healthy the entire year and they played a ton of snaps I yeah. mean Boodle and Lamar aside from him getting benched for that little bit of time mm-hmm. they were always out there and for them to no hamstring issues mm-hmm. you know that's pretty that's pretty so that's pretty so, Mac,
0: so I'm going to play the role of uh, you know coach Fisher for a second what am I going to be harping on this entire off season with you guys you guys are the corners what do I want to see from you that we didn't see enough of this last year
2: just getting your head turned in transition, you know, turning back yep. and looking for the ball. I mean, I, and,
0: and, and Boodle could what, have what,
2: seven interceptions there this go. year. That basically hit his body. That's
0: it. it you said the word yeah. interception. He is. It's not enough to knock the ball down, and we had a lot of knockdowns. We had a lot of them out of the, out of the corners and the DBs. Yep. We got to start turning those into converting those into interceptions. Boomer, you did some stats before the the uh, the show. And it looked like we had nine interceptions last year and 11 this year. So better, two more, but still, there's a lot of opportunities that were left on the table. Um, We had three fumbles that we got a year ago. This year, nine. So we've increased our overall turnovers from 12 to 20. That's a good start. Next year. Let's get that. Let's add another eight to ten. Let's get it thirty turnovers. Yeah, actually.
1: let's get into the thirties, really. Yeah, really. That's a really good point. All right, Hawk. Let's open up that mailbag. What do you got for us this All week? Right. Well,
0: first, I'm going to do a follow-up trivia from uh, Boomer earlier in the show. He talked about the. Uh, well, kind of talked poorly the audiovisual department at North Loop, Scotia, and that is my mom's alma mater. <laughs> so, you know that that's that's near and dear to me. What a Husker player! I, I'll just say of the last 25 years, who's the only scholarship? Athlete right out of high school that came from North Loop, Scotia. Anyone? Schuster. I don't know. Brian Schuster. He was from Fullerton. Yeah, that was. And he was a walk-on. Of course, oh, and he was a walk-on. But... Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Scholarship? Yeah,
0: scholarship. Straight from out from of North, but Loop. Same, but North same Loop, position Loop, Scotia. Huh? As Brian Schuster.
1: Mac, this is all you have, Yeah. Okay, uh, Mac. I'll give you one blank hint right now. Think
0: huge calves. Oh, uh, I know exactly. Steve, Steve right. Prewall. Yeah. <laughs> there you Steve go. Steve Prewall. That's right. Yeah. The red cast gets resolved. Huge calves. Okay. Very well. he, yep.
2: had, he had Scott Frost size calves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the mailbag. And uh, first one is. Wow. That's for the best. Yeah. Our yeah. first one, uh, it's a mailbag virgin. Uh, we've got UP Jack. He talks about how about some uh, postseason awards offensive MVP, defensive MVP, breakthrough player, surprise player. Now we've talked about some of these things already on the show, so we can kind of go through this quick. But um, I'm going to throw one to you, Dave. Here, offensive MVP,
1: Adrian, Adrian? Martinez, Mac. Who do know. you think for? I mean, he, he's uh,
2: if if I can no longer take Adrian Martinez, uh, I would say that would be a toss up between a Zigbo. Uh, I'll
0: say a Zigbo and Boomer.
3: Uh, Martin is. The entire offense runs through him. Without that, this whole thing's just like last and year. And how
0: interesting is that? And I don't blame you guys for anything you just said. We didn't bring up Morgan, we didn't bring up Spielman. I know, That's that was my team. first Spielman. I, I know. About. I, I, think yeah. about that. Now, sure. here's a little more limiting. Dave, I'll start with you. Defensive MVP.
1: Yep. That's a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Mo Barry. Oh, I, I think he, he really solidified that, that, that middle did a lot of stuff from a leadership perspective that you really needed someone to, and I'm excited that he's coming back. So, I agree with Mac Mac? Um, again,
2: with not taking who Dave just took, I'd say uh, <laughs> Trey Neal was probably a big, big part of getting our defense set up right for the season. He might have been a big guy to have back there. Although, I mean, and the fact of the matter is, not a lot of guys stood out on mm-hmm. defense. So <laughs> after Mo Berry, it's kind of hard to boomer. Get. Uh, let's try to be different here from those guys. Let's just throw
3: Luke Gifford out there. He had a lot of sacks. He, I think he was our sack leader uh, this year. Plus, he had a great role in that fake punt. Yep. I mean, he's the one who took that fake punt against Iowa and kept us in that game, which we forgot to mention yep. earlier. So,
0: How about Good point. breakthrough Good point. player? And this is offense, defense, anything. Dave?
1: Well, I'll, I'll move away from Adrian, I guess. Uh, I'll go Mo Washington. I'm oh, sorry, Mac. I'm just mm-hmm. taking all the good ones here. But I mean, how how can you not take the uh, dynamic playmaker that he's going to be as as your your breakthrough? Yeah. Well, I think uh, Jack Stoll's going to be a breakout player next season. I think
2: he's going to really build on some of the momentum he he left this season with. Boomer, Barrett Pickering. Ooh. I mean, we
3: took Ooh. what <laughs> was probably our nice. biggest weakness going into this season—you kicking and. We're, like you said, we're not as worried about that as we were earlier this year, which, my God, that's a huge part of the game. Well,
0: I'm going to go with, uh, for breakthrough, I'm going to go with Zigbo because I don't think that a lot of people thought that he was going to do much there. Sure. And the last one.
2: I wasn't sure if we had to count somebody who was going to be coming back, but Zigbo's yeah, a really and, good no, break.
3: pick. And is, he our, is there a surprise player category? Because well, I think Zigbo surpri- would probably have been surprise, everybody's. But boomer, okay. to your...
0: Surprise should be able to go both ways. You should be able to say a guy that maybe – you thought was going to do more. And I'm, I'll actually start it with this. And I'm not being negative towards him. I love Ben Stilley. I think so highly of this guy. I thought that he'd have a bigger season this year. I thought he would be a breakout player, and he just quite wasn't. But he has two seasons to go. You know he's going to work his tail off in the offseason. Uh, you know, I'm not throwing the big challenge out at him or anything. But these next two years, I really expect to see Ben Stilley you know, produce some bigger numbers than what we saw this year. So he's my surprise player but kind of in a different way, I guess. Dave, how about you?
1: Um, you know, I'm surprised. Well, I'll go with the little theme there maybe and and say someone who maybe quite didn't produce like you thought. And maybe uh, on the D line, someone like Mick Stoltenberg. I mean, kudos to the guy, definitely so many changes in his career here and fifth year senior, good leader, but um. You know, I think maybe we needed a little bit more from that position, and and, and really was optimistic going in that he, he'd be able to fill yeah, that. Yeah, and so. he had some injuries
0: oh. there, yeah, and
1: you know, and all that kind of hurt him. Yeah, yeah, just it was just a tough Mac. Year how about
0: him. you for a surprise player? I'll keep it negative
2: <laughs> as well,
1: just for fun. Uh, but uh,
2: uh, Caleb Lightborn. Oh,
0: yeah. what the heck, man! Yeah. That was yeah, horrible. That's fair. That is- Big steps you back. You probably yes. just took Reverse. Boomer, because Boomer's you know, the special teams guy. Boomer, are you going oh, to stay on Boomer. the negative, or are you going positive here with the surprise?
3: Uh, it was a negative that's from positive. We mentioned him already. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, I honestly expected him to fold like a cheap suit, you know, once he got mm-hmm. called out, because we saw a lot of players from the prior regime that threw in the towel, quit left, went somewhere else, but he did not, and that actually surprised me. He turned his game around and... What an effort to get better, and he did, I think, this season, which yeah. I honestly was surprised at. I'm that's something really it. good about him. That's it really a good, does, yeah. It's a good, it see it's
2: that. A good it's a
3: good, and sign. I know this is yeah. something I speak for all yeah.
0: of us because like we're talking about the seniors here. And, and you mentioned Stoltenberg, and you know, and, and we've talked about some of the other ones. Um, we, we had a question about this a week or so back, and it was like, How do you remember the senior class? And they're going to go out as one of the losingest yeah. ones, only went one to one bowl game, but those guys. They did set the tone here, and they, they did a great job, a very admirable job of setting the tone for this team going into the offseason and, and so on. Luke Gifford was in tears at the end of that game in the postseason press conference talking about the, the Iowa game, talking about next year's team, saying how many wins these guys are going to have and just what you know how he wishes he could come back. That is something, if you would have looked at the team a year ago and the, and the season before that and the season before that, I don't think seniors yep, were sitting there right. saying, what can I do to get back? What could I do to be a Husker next year? Yeah. These guys love Frost, and this no, staff and That senior class—they should be remembered certainly for that. Uh, yep. The other question from the mailbag that comes from uh, Nate from uh, Springfield, Missouri. We've had some questions from Nate before, and he says, "Looking ahead to two thousand nineteen, what are reasonable win-loss expectations, and what are the biggest changes that need to? to uh, what are the biggest changes needed to succeed, and are they possible?" Dave, um, what's a reasonable win-loss? for next year?
1: Reasonable? reasonable? This is a fan podcast. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, what's what's reasonable? I mean, hockey doesn't think we're ever going to lose ever yeah. again. I mean, I don't know if we can really answer this question. Uh, you know, I, I think... Well, I, I would I would say anywhere between uh, 8 and 4 and 12 and up. That's, that's, that's reasonable. Because, I mean, the, the schedule sets up extraordinarily well. Extraordinarily well. And... And uh, if if we don't win, I mean, yeah, Chattel said, oh, you can flip this from four to eight to eight and four this year. I was oh, like, eight and kidding, four, yeah. that's it? You look at the schedule and you're just like, we have no one from the east except Ohio State, and we get them in Lincoln early in the year. Outside of that, all the Big Ten West teams that you're worried about, generally speaking, would be at home as well. We get Colorado, which – will be replacing their senior quarterback and have a new new coach entirely. I mean it's just hard not to see a big win total around ten yeah, you know, and and that doesn't mean necessarily we still gotta beat Iowa and Wisconsin and, and Northwestern, et cetera, to win the West. But I mean you're there at nine and nine and three, ten and two yeah, minimum, your, minimum. Your crossover games
0: there. with the East, you switch from playing at Ohio State to having them come here and then you swap out Michigan and Michigan State for Maryland and Indiana. Um, just in yes. general, and, and if you look at the Big Ten West alone, Boomer, I'll ask you: Is who's the best quarterback coming back in the West next year?
3: Well, it's you know you'd have to say it's Martinez. I just is your there talent. a close I mean, second? He's clearly the best quarterback out there. Yeah, second, uh, probably Stanley. I suppose. I mean, I don't even is know he coming back? Is a junior. Is he coming back? Wait, is a junior? Yeah. Is a junior? Yeah. I mean, okay, it's not I even. Mean, I can't handle be about his it. numbers. He's not a, you know, he's not a stellar NFL-style quarterback. I mean, he's good for what Iowa wants to do. But if you're just, if you were building a team and you had to pick one, who would, have, who would 99 of America sure. pick? Yep. I mean,
1: yeah, Wisconsin may actually have a quarterback controversy going forward with uh, Jack Cohen, guy that we recruited, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, starting to make some mm-hmm. progress there with Hornibrook banged up. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know how you even. So I, uh, I it's, it's Martinez I, by I a think, mile. I
0: think Dave, you saying that that double-digit win standing let's just say 10 I don't care 10 11 12 I mean 12 obviously is going perfect but 10 wins I think is completely realistic with next season I, I just I feel the way the schedule comes and out we,
1: and we still may not be strong enough on the lines etc to really actually compete at a high level against the best teams but the schedule just sets you up so yeah. well I mean so a question if we don't win 10 is it a bad season next uh, let's season?
0: see how the season plays out I mean it if you're getting blown out and you don't win 10 sure if if you're losing a some games, you know at the last play of a game or whatever, and let's see how some of these teams. If you're losing to Iowa at the end of the year, and Iowa's you know four and eight versus if Iowa's eleven and one, yeah. I mean all of that plays a role in it too. I'm just saying I think it's I think it's reasonable. I don't think it's a, I don't think you're crazy if going into the season right. you feel that ten and two is possible. Well, well, I'll I'll
3: this. throw it, it over to – If we're not undefeated by Ohio State, should we be undefeated in the in the non-conference Absolutely. next season? We
1: should be. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, I think we're going to come out like gangbusters next year, to be honest yeah. with you. we, we With with uh, the same quarterback coming back and a running back who's familiar back there, uh, JD's going to be healthy and ready to go. I think we're going to come out well, fast. I, I, well, I so, really do. I don't even, and I'm not saying that to be in any kind of reasonable way. I think just what they've shown and the, and the improvement they've made that the offseason that they can totally target now and everybody's focused on the same stuff, we're going to come out. So strong. Mac,
0: let, let's ask Nate's second question here. What are the biggest changes that are needed to succeed? To do what you just said, what are what? Uh, give me one thing. Give me one thing, and I'll go around to, to each person. Kind of think of one thing that you think is a big thing we need to improve on.
2: At this point, it's just it's just continued uh, physical strength and development.
0: So off season strength Truly. and conditioning, off season
2: strength and development will be the the biggest that that. However, how they attack that off season will be the key to this okay. season, because the, everything else I think. Okay, we're Dave, from, what do you? I mean, recruiting, sure, but that I mean, it, that not not near to the effect of a really effective off season. In, yeah, in the recruiting's and not going to have a department and nutrition, which is something they didn't have at Central Florida that they do have here that can I think can accelerate some of what they wanted to yeah, do.
0: Recruiting is important, but but specifically the next season, we're saying developing the players already here. That's as important Correct. for next year's win loss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, paramount. Dave, you know, area need that, that we need to improve.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll fo- I have two things in mind, but I'll focus okay. on one of them, and that's uh, the D line, right? I honestly think w- what I just said, you know, winning ten games, et cetera, all depends on beating Wisconsin and Iowa in the trenches, or yep. at least matching up with them at the end of the year. And so, if we can figure that out and be equal or at least close to equal that we can let that offense actually do what it's supposed to do against those teams, we will win 10 games next year. It has to happen on the defense. Gotcha. Line. Boomer.
3: Yeah, Dave kind of took my thunder on that too. I think that's the biggest, the biggest question that, that this team has to resolve. I mean, we can have a decent offense, and I think we do. But, again, if they're just keeping the ball the entire game, we're only getting a handful of possessions every half, that's how you beat this kind of team. So we have to be able to generate those stops and those key times and be able to stop the runs, which we weren't particularly able to do this year against really which were probably subpar Wisconsin and Iowa teams. These are not the best Iowa and Wisconsin teams we're going to see, probably, in, in the near future. So that's going to be one of the that's most a fair interesting point. things
1: yeah. uh, Dude, going this forward. Iowa team, watching that Iowa team, they were Better than Wisconsin this oh, year, they and honk. Were. Yeah. We watched Iowa. This is a this is a failed season for Iowa. There's no question
3: it about it. It is. They 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 should have run away with the West this year. Looking at how everybody else did, and they just, just the didn't
1: strength do it. of that yeah. the offensive defensive lines, honky. We watched the Wisconsin game with with Iowa, Sean. Iowa was the better team that day. They just blew it, and they blew the Northwestern game and the Purdue. I mean, they should have a ten and yep. two this yeah, year. They were washed. way better than the record. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and Boomer, I'm a little uh, surprised you didn't talk special teams because obviously that's a huge area that it cost us some games this year.
3: Oh, it did. Yeah, and that's another thing. You know, we would mentioned that earlier. You've got to improve on that. I think Pickering will probably shore up some of that. We we have some faith he can make kicks. You get a all-of-the-year of where you know he's going to be the starter and he can practice. We can work on that. And we mentioned earlier, you've just got to get your return guys set, and you've got to just drill it in their heads. Here's – automatic you don't have to think about what you're doing in any given scenario do i catch it and just you know or do i fair catch this do i kneel it? whatever you just make that automatic so they don't have to think about it and you're not just in such bad situations that special teams has been putting us in this entire mm-hmm. season uh armstrong you know if he's going to the whole season knowing he's going to be the you know the punt the punter that probably helps too i think you know he's gonna he's got this entire offseason to work in his punting game make that better I think you know, given the given a whole another year, I think we'll see special teams improve. If we don't, that's going to be a yep. serious problem and a, and a check mark against that, this whole team. If they're if they're not even that to do special that.
0: teams, that's going to affect positively. If it improves, that will affect that starting field position that we've talked so much about. I guess for the one thing I'll throw into this, we have talked a little bit about turnovers earlier in the in the show, and defensively, we went from causing three fumbles in 2017 to causing nine. We've got to get more fumbles. We have to get more turnovers conversely, on offense, we had 19 fumbles on offense, 19, and we lost 11 of them. That's too many. So that's an area that I think we need to improve on just in general, that turnover margin. We did improve overall. We went from 109th to 86th in the turnover margin from a year ago to this year. That's a huge area. If we're going to be a 10-2, 11-1 kind of team, we've got to improve it. In that area. So, anyways, UP Jack, uh, Nate, thank you very much. Uh, Redcasters, you can always send us stuff at, uh, at Go Big Redcast, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and also you can email us at Go Big Redcast at gmail with any questions.
1: Awesome. Well done, Hockey. Well done. All right, guys, let's head into some knee ball Knee basketball. And uh this can be can be quick, uh, but I think it's important to to touch on that the Huskers had a big missed opportunity there down in Kansas City. Uh they did beat uh Missouri State and looked uh good at that, but uh had essentially a home game down there against Texas Tech, came out of the, the gates hot, looking good and then Texas Tech just really with a bunch of turnover on that roster, just took control of that game and it was a huge uh missed opportunity. Boomer, you had to be disappointed with the overall performance.
3: Yeah, that was a game that kind of brought all the bad habits of Nebraska ball in the last few seasons. Just brought them all back to the forefront. Did not play well. They were taking a lot of just dumb three-point shots, which they're not a great three-point shooting team this year. At least they haven't shown They just weren't yet. making them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was an ungodly amount of those they, they threw up and they weren't going in. And yet, you know, Watson wasn't making Shots like you'd hope your point guard would just be able to make a few to loosen things up. You had foul trouble with Palmer early on, and he was out, and we didn't seem to have an answer for that. And then just the whole energy just seemed to be deflated from that team. I don't know what it was, but Tech looked like the more aggressive team. They won the rebounds. They got second-chance shots. They drove to the hoop, and we didn't do any of that. I know everyone says, you know, it's just one game and it is. So we have to keep that in mind, but Nebraska ball has to prove pretty quick is is this going to be the standard Nebraska ball team that we've seen? Is that going to be the performance we're going to expect all year or is that just a one off and done? That's we've got about a week yeah. here to figure that out.
1: Yeah, hockey, I mean they do uh turn around right around here. They've already beaten uh Western Illinois. Uh, here on Saturday, but they'll be playing Clemson tomorrow on the road, a team that just lost to Creighton. So, hey, uh, great measuring stick, right? This,
0: uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, so by the time it goes live, it's either Monday or Tuesday. Redcasters, you're going to be listening and knowing something that we don't know right now. We don't know how we're going to play tomorrow night against Clemson. Uh, <laughs> we we kind of, I think, took some assumptions that this is a season, if we're ever going to beat Creighton, it has to be now and that Clemson is going to be this real tough opponent to play, and they will be. Uh, Well, Clemson, to your point, Dave, just lost to Creighton. I mean, you're like – and I don't want to make too much out of one loss to to Texas Tech, but, I mean, I just – I feel like I need to be held. Like, I just – I'm scared. Like, this, that (laughs) – I just did not expect to see that kind of performance, and hopefully it's a one-off thing, but Texas Tech – it just felt like one of those things where you got beat up on the boards. You got out hustled at times. It was kind of like losing a big 10 kind of game and just nothing felt right. We didn't have an answer. We didn't have a guy to go to. And that just scares the heck out of me because I didn't think that would be possible. I don't want to blow one game up too much, but I'm also, I, I just really didn't expect to see that kind of, that kind of beat down.
3: Yeah, and I know we, I know Texas Tech was an elite eight team last year, but that was like, I think they had lost what four starters from that team. Yes, so this wasn't mm-hmm. at all the the same team that they were last. Five year. of their top six scorers. Yeah, are that's, gone. that's why that was worse. Yeah, they got the so. South Dakota
0: transfer dude, the fifth year guy that Mowdy or Moody or whatever his name is, and that right, thing, yeah, he had total hustle, game. dude, and I mean, just guys. I mean, they, it, it just felt like if there was a loose it, was ball, they were going to get it. They game. just
3: was bad too. That that was the other big thing on that. He he wasn't able to really produce anything in that game. I was really disappointed with that. I was hoping, yeah. you know, if Palmer out Roby might be a guy that steps up and, you know, kinda of fills that
1: role. But. they seemed a little shell shocked. I don't know exactly what Tech was doing defensively, but they sure after a, actually a really good start, they're up like fifteen to six. Everything just tightened down, and they just could not get their offense to work at all. And they they weren't moving, et cetera, and they just couldn't break out of that. So, we're going to find out really quick, uh, Clemson here, and then uh, uh, then before you know it, we'll be playing Creighton Creighton and uh, the first two Big Ten games. So, if Texas Tech has got a, a riddle there that everybody else is going to try to to throw at uh, Nebraska, we've got we've got trouble. But Let's hope that uh, they learn something from that loss and still have some opportunities here to to get some victories. All right, guys. Let's head into the uh, picks of the week. Redcast Predictions. All right, guys. It's championship week. We just had rivalry week. I think we had 20 picks. Uh, We'll go back to the standard 10 because that's about all we have out there on the boards. There's a few extra makeup games this week, but we'll just focus on games that are of a championship nature. All right, Friday nights. Let's start right uh, in the Pac-12. Utah, team I called to win the Pac-12 South, did it. And they had a great comeback win versus BYU late on Saturday night. Boomer, that was a heck of a game.
3: Oh, yeah, I love the Holy War. I always try to watch it every year. It's so much fun. They they, they never should have
1: stopped playing when they did. Hate each other, my goodness. Um, Against uh, Washington, who... Won the Apple Cup, took down Wazoo. And so pretty much this played out exactly how uh, we had kind of expected it, but kind of a weird way to get there with Washington out of the playoff and Pac-12 just playing for pride here. Huskies are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Honky, who do you I got? I the Huskies last week. I'll take the Huskies this week. All right. Mac?
2: I picked the Huskies, I believe, way back when, so I'll just ride the dogs. Let's do it. Yep. Boomer?
3: Same. I picked Washington to win the Pac-12. Let's finish it up with it.
1: Yeah, I like. I feel like I know nothing about this team any longer. But uh, no, I, 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 Washington's more talented, I'm certain of that. But I would not be surprised if Utah gave them a heck of a run. So that could actually be an entertaining game. We'll see. All right. Um, I think uh, this is probably, let's see, is this Conference USA Boomer? We have UAB. Yes. Great story. Uh, the Blazers probably got, got like 10 wins or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah against teacher. the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee two-point favorites. Uh, let's start with Boomer. Who do you have here, Blazers? Well, I mean, they just
3: played yesterday, and uh, Middle Tennessee State kind of took them to the woodshed, like 27-3, to 3, I believe it was. So it's just one of those odd, let's have a rematch the week afterward kind of games. So let's go Middle Tennessee State
0: again. All
1: right. I'll do the same.
0: Hockey. i go with UAB. They, they, defensively, they've ranked very high throughout most of the season, and I'm just going to say yesterday was a albatross for them. An albatross? Is that the right
1: word? A, would an aberration be a better term? I don't know what an albatross is. I, I think you wanted
3: aberration. <laughs> you. I think it might be the AB word you're looking for, not, not a seabird. <laughs> <laughs> I <mean, it's>
0: a... <laughs> uh, that's what I love about podcasts. I just say words. Mm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mac who do you got?
2: Blade. Laser. Blazers. I'm taking that. Taking them. the blazers. <laughs>
1: all right. Alright. Hockey didn't scare you away from that nah. one. Right.
2: He's all been right. a little quirky I'll...
1: right lately, you know. It's true, it's true. Up some action here. We got the Huskies in Northern Illinois, team that we know all too well. Against uh Buffalo, which has a nice Nebraska connection. Uh Honk, who are you taking?
0: Oh, I'll go with Northern Illinois.
1: Alright,
2: Mac? I'll take the Huskies as well. Boomer?
3: I'm so disappointed that the Ohio Bobcats didn't make this game, but uh Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Buffalo too. Uh I, just, I I'm, why not, right? Uh all right, uh Sunbelt action Louisiana Lafayette, which I think just likes to be Louisiana. Is that right, Boomer?
3: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they don't like
1: good. to be called off because No, no I hate, hate that, yeah. I mean, there's no Louisiana, so they're, they're claiming it. Uh, against Appalachian State, which isn't a state at all. But we're in the Sun Belt, so uh, App State, 17.5-point favorites? Holy shnikes, Boomer. Ah, man, my Sun Belt knowledge is a
3: little lacking this year. I blame myself for that, but uh, let's go App State, <laughs> Yep. Honky. Mafia,
0: there's a facade of themselves. I'm going to go with Appalachian.
1: <laughs> Mac? I'll
2: take Appalachian State as well.
1: Also taking App State. Uh, all right. Let's uh, go big boy football here. We've got a rematch. First time here in the Big 12. Texas, Oklahoma. This is in Jerry World. Uh, so across town from where Texas actually took down Oklahoma. Earlier this year, Sooners though are a seven and a half point favorite. Hockey. Saw a stat
0: where this is the first time in you know X number of years that these two haven't played in Dallas, and they're playing in the ho- you know the home of the Dallas Cowboys this time. But just that's just right. An yep. They're playing in Arlington. Side
1: thing there. So it's probably first time in. I will go decades. with. I'll go with Oklahoma. Will you take him.
0: Lock of the week. All
1: right, Mac. Oklahoma. Ooh, lock. Oh, so What's all about those? Yep
2: so weird that they get a play again. I And the Big 12 is just crazy. I don't know. Uh, I'll go Oklahoma. Probably Oklahoma. Oklahoma.
3: All right. Boomer. I want Texas to win just to screw the Big 12 over for being stupid enough to have a championship game despite the fact they all play each other. But I think Oklahoma is
1: going to win this time around. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point, Boomer. I mean, this is an example here where they get the extra data point. But at this point, if Oklahoma was already in the garage, they would pretty much feel like, okay, our resume's in there and Ohio State's taking a big risk. Um, it so is a good thing. It's a good um, oh. thing that
0: Oklahoma fired their D.C., though, because obviously the, the defense has been playing lights out uh, now
1: for the last couple of weeks for them. Dramatic improvement. Well, they've, been, be Bob they've been Diaco the strain, influence. really. You can really see that. What, what if they the
2: retained Diaco? How crazy would it be? That guy must be like a. A hypnotist or something, <laughs> like uh,
1: yeah, he's like a Rasputin sorts, right? You're like things are getting guy?
2: worse. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, not getting be- worse. You're not scoring enough points
0: on it's offense. It's the best, you know. It's like it's uh, a total albatross, man. Great. He,
1: he looks very stylish in the uh, the Oklahoma. But you know what? Colors. They still might make the playoffs. Yes, yes that's true. Uh, all right. Well, the, on a bit of a sad note here, Conference USA. Uh, we have Memphis. Against Central Florida, Central Florida trying to finish up a undefeated season again. They lost Mackenzie Milton last week to a really bad leg injury. Uh, I've understood his surgery went well, but he will not be in this game. Can UCF uh, keep it up with their their backup, who looked pretty pretty capable there? Honk.
0: Uh, I still I was driving home from from Columbus, and I was in North Bend at a gas station, and, and I look at my phone, and Boomer and a, several other people had texted and said do not look at this injury it must have just happened and it sounded terrible i still have not seen it so i don't want to um what i do know is that their backup was very capable came in there they scored a number of touchdowns with him in there i'm going to go with UCF still all
1: right mac
2: yeah i think UCF probably has a enough familiarity with their own sister to kind of make this work that was it's really hard to see um you know an injury like that where it's it's a potentially career ending, you know, hopefully, you know, prayers to him and he gets back out there to play. He's a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully, uh, yeah. Anyway, UCF.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Boomer. This is a tough one because I think UCF actually, I think they beat Memphis 31 30, right? Earlier in the year. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh,
3: They they tend to have shootouts with Memphis. I mean, that just seems to be their, their constant opponent. UCF does have a good stable of running backs to rely on. I think, um, God, I just feel so bad for McKenzie Milton and this whole thing. It just – you're having a chance at two undefeated seasons. I mean, how many quarterbacks could ever say they had a chance to lead a team to that and just take that gruesome injury? hockey yeah, just, just don't watch it. If you haven't yet, don't bother at this point. Um, yeah, I just, I just really want UCF to win just to keep things going. And, yeah, let's just just—let's just
1: go with that. I just out of hope. Yeah, I'll take the Golden Knights too, but uh... – It's going to be tough, but they are favored by seven, so obviously they're still out there. Uh, All right, uh, Mountain West. Mountain West uh, throwing some good games out there recently. Uh, Late night, if you can stay up late on Saturdays. Fresno State heading to Boise to take on Boise State at the Broncos' two-and-a-half-point favorites. Boomer?
3: Oh, this should be a good game, too. Like I said, Mountain West has had some good clashes. These guys just played a couple of weeks ago. Boise pulled off the seven-point win. I think they can, they're they
1: capable of doing it again, so let's go Boise. I'm also taking the Broncos. Honk? I never
0: go against Boise on the blue turf. I think you did last time. Well, but sure, time <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time, I <laughs> won against Boise. <laughs> and you've learned your
1: lesson. Mac. Boise. Excellent. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk... Southeastern Conference, Alabama, 11-point favorites against the Dogs of Georgia. Does anybody think Georgia really has a shot? Sure, the SEC probably is trying to angle for two, so Saban might tank it. I don't know. Boomer, how dark is the world?
3: Well, the world is dark enough to somehow get a couple SEC teams into this uh, postseason, but...
2: uh,
3: Yeah, Alabama's just not gonna rest everybody. They could and still weasel in, but Alabama's gonna win this game. They'll still probably put Georgia in the playoffs anyway somehow. So it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, that's right. Alabama so which, wins.
2: Mike Michael, which pick has the most hurt? Which 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 hurt? You know, brings the most hurt into the world. What would you say? A,
3: a Georgia well, win
1: or a Bama win? A Georgia win probably right because that would well a- yeah they, they, they guarantee both
3: in but I would think an Alabama win and Georgia still getting to the postseason would hurt even
1: more so I'm going with that one yeah. wow okay Georgia with two losses right. I, I mean that would take Oklahoma and OSU both lose oh don't think
3: that's not possible though Dave I mean that's certainly within the realm of possibility though they could both That'd lose games. yeah I know I hear you boy if they would do that that would be the goodness. absolute worst case scenario. Yeah, that's just why I'm expecting that to kind of happen. I mean, as as a
0: Husker fan, I almost feel like we can't lose here. Because if Georgia wins, even if Alabama gets in, who cares? Because at least Alabama, greatest team of all time, not if you got a loss. And Nebraska, hey, we, we still cling to 95, and we like to say that's the best team of all time. If Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama, I don't care, turn around and win the title, I don't care. But... If Alabama does what I think they're going to do, and I'm picking Bama, blow them out, beat them by 25, make it ridiculous. Show show the SEC that this is not about the conference. This is about one team consistently year after year after year dominating one conference. The the strength of schedule stuff is so ridiculous. Boomer, you've looked at this like the top 10 teams are, are almost all SEC schools, so they play each other, and their strength of schedule goes up. Oh, not just
3: not SEC. SEC, SEC West. West. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's very convenient. It's, but it's also bizarre how Alabama and Georgia never play each other in the regular season. I looked nope. it up earlier today. They've played 12 times since 1978, and that's counting Twelve enough
1: times.
3: And that's counting a playa, a college football playoff meeting and an SEC championship meeting. So they've scheduled each other 10 Isn't times. It? In the last 40 years. It's just ridiculous. How is that possible? How is it possible
0: to be the number five strength of schedule team in the country when you're non-conference, you played four non-conference games. One of them's Louisville, who went 2-10. One of them's Arkansas State. Louisiana, the Citadel. The two teams you played that were crossover are Missouri and Tennessee, not Florida, not Georgia. And you're the number five strength of schedule? I'm sorry, that's just, it gets to be a point where it's just BS. And... I mean, oh, it if is. you yeah, have – and I've seen different strength of schedule rankings that that value the SEC a hell of a lot more than other ones do because I've seen Alabama's strength of schedule yep. much further down. But the point is, whatever, I don't care. Just Alabama's going to win. That was my long-winded, they're going to win it.
1: <laughs> that was long-winded, but probably true. All right, uh, Mac. I'm actually going to pick the good, dogs. Good for you, Mac. I, I, I don't know why. Love it. Uh, I'll take Alabama, and just for humor value honk, lock of the week. Lock of the week, <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Of yeah. week, of course. Uh, all right, this is probably a better lock of the week in my opinion, but you never know. We got Clemson, 24-point favorites in a title game versus Pitt. A Pitt team that got blown out by UCF, mind you. Uh, Boomer.
3: Yeah, that. God, this. And they lost to Miami last week. Oh, badly! Yeah, quite badly. They they got just walloped by them. There's their the whole ACC is just such a dumpster fire this season. And I, they they set up their Atlantic and Metropolitan divisions or whatever the hell they are just to have <laughs> you know Florida State and Miami play. They've never met ever in the ever. ACC title game. Jeez, uh, it's just just terrible. I mean, Clemson's going to win this running away. They should. Pitt's terrible. You can lock yeah. Clemson in, bet whatever, 24 points, they'll cover that. So,
1: yeah, Entertainment I mean, purposes
3: only, though, Red Cats. So.
1: You know, uh, Honky, we, we had some uh, interesting uh, uh, Twitter uh, action a little bit on, like, uh, is Nebraska playing at a top 25 level? And we got a lot of pushback. Like, heck no, that's ridiculous. But I'll, I'll stand by that uh, uh, because, I mean, Pittsburgh was 24th in the <laughs> polls this week. They got blown up by Miami. This is a team that lost to UCF. Uh, the the bottom of the twenty top twenty five is yep. horrendous, and Pittsburgh was a part of that. So yeah, yeah. I mean if if
0: it was Georgia Tech playing them, I take the you know
1: I take the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> but
2: I got to go
0: with Clemson here.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers as well, Mac.
0: Uh, Clemson.
2: Did anybody right. take a lock of the week uh, with Clemson? Backyard. Somebody
1: needs to take a lock of the week. I'll take Clemson oh, as a lock of the week. Or yeah, Detroit I'll throw do that it? in there too. Yeah, I, you guys both you get those it, locks of the week. That's fine. Know. Who cares? Hey, it was right. a good choice, uh, Michael. Thank you. I, 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 I admire your, your
3: thought into this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, let's finish this off in our uh, backyard with the Big Ten matchup. Northwestern uh, actually finished 8-4, so I'm glad they're actually ranked and has a respectable win-loss record. And uh, they are fourteen point underdogs to the Buckeyes, who took down Michigan. I had the Wolverines all year long, and they just couldn't get it done again at Ohio Stadium. Honky, we know how tough it is to, mm-hmm. to play in that that environment. Uh, this game will be in Indianapolis. Does Northwestern have a uh, shot? The
0: answer is no. And yeah, I was the I was a contrarian through all of last week's picks, and some of them were funny, stupid ones, but. Ohio State, I was the only one to take them, and I was dead serious about it. It's like there, there's an analytic part of it. Michigan was holding teams to 14 points a game, which is a ridiculous defensive stat, right? But this is Ohio State in the in the horseshoe, and until – it's like one of those things, until I see them beat those guys there, I just can't pick them. It's like Ohio State just has their, their stinking number, and, and Ohio State's going to have Northwestern's number by a lot. I think Ohio State's going to blow these guys out because they're playing for their playoff life they're, play, yes. they're every playing they're playing for counts. every scenario we just talked about with Alabama, Georgia, whatever the you know, whatever the the the, the finishing numbers are in that game. So, yeah, oh, Ohio State by 40.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's reasonable to expect that Urban is not going to lay off at all on this one. Mac, yeah, I was
2: going to say this is this is Ohio State's audition tape for sure. So, if they have the ability to, to to put a big number up there, I think. Remember, they will. remember, so I'll go with house State. Remember as well. the
0: last time that they were in this same situation, fighting to get into the playoff, they beat Wisconsin fifty-nine to nothing in the Big Ten title game.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Meyer knows how to prepare for these games. Boomer, how oh, Northwestern does play
3: opponents kind of at their level. I think they'll put up a better fight than Michigan, strangely enough. Which I have no idea what Harbaugh and the Wolverines were thinking. Just yeah, that that game was meaningless apparently to them is excited about the Capital One Bowl or whatever they're going to end up at. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd almost want to pick Northwestern just for the hell of it, just to screw everything up, but I, I it's darker if Ohio State wins, so Buckeyes will win.
1: Yeah, I would not be surprised if Northwestern gave them a fight. I, I think they're of a team and a team that is not making any mistakes. We saw that against us, where they just don't turn the ball over or... Have penalties called against them that that could keep them in the game longer than expected. Ultimately, I think Ohio State wins the game, but I have a, a hunch that Northwestern at least makes this competitive for a while. Yeah,
2: I kind of agree with you, Dave. I, I think Northwestern's really good about making a game ugly, you know, and they're pretty yeah. good at ugly games. So if they can do that somehow, this game it gets a little more interesting. Hey, Dave,
1: Boomer, you've said it before. Oh, hold on, Hunk. Uh, Boomer, you've said it before that Northwestern just plays to the level of their opponent yeah. at all times. Yeah, whoever it is, and I mean. It doesn't matter. It, well, I mean, they beat Illinois by 7 points last week, but it was just just that's what Northwestern yeah. does, right? Yeah, they struggled
3: against Rutgers. They matched us up evenly. They lost to Akron and then they played Michigan. But they were up 17 nothing yeah. versus Michigan, right? Yeah, and I mean, they beat everybody so. else. Yeah, it's just it uh, yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, but
1: nope, there.
0: Well, that's huh? What they do? I was asking this to you, Dave, is how bad is this for Har- uh, Harbaugh?
1: I mean, losing that game and well, it's not good. It's not good. But you can't erase the entire season at the same time. They, uh, well, you know, I don't know. You you open it with a loss to Notre Dame and you end it with a loss to Ohio State. That's no, It's not good. I no, I mean if the bowl game is a disaster, that might. But you're not. I, they're not firing him. I'll tell you that. I mean, you guys have this whole no, thing. No, oh no, I don't have. They're no, just I not I'm, do him, I'm not. No, but, you know, Honky, you've been throwing that out for a while. Oh, he's on the well, hot I, seat.
0: No, I'm not suggesting that. Not after the. I'm just saying, how bad is this for him right now?
1: He's got to win. He's got to beat Ohio State. Look, I mean, the, it, it, I mean, beyond Harbaugh, Michigan has lost 14 of 15 yeah. out to Ohio State. That's ridiculous. This is supposed to be the, the biggest rivalry out there. It's one-sided right now. I mean, could you imagine Alabama and Auburn going through the same thing? Or back in the day, Nebraska, Oklahoma, 14 yeah, of I mean, 15? Iowa, Iowa fans are
0: you know liking to throw that out at us. They beat us four straight times. This isn't a rivalry. Well, the biggest rivalry in the country right now. One team's one fourteen of 15, to your point. I mean, that's just
1: – Yeah. And yeah. Harbaugh
0: hasn't fixed it. It's
1: not good. Uh, I, I, I think Michigan had a very good year, and I think they could be very good next year. Uh, so, yep. uh, we'll see. All right, let's uh, finish this up with some uh, parting shots. I'll be Hockey. quick.
0: Volleyball tonight's the number seven seed uh, in the uh, postseason. They're playing Hofstra with uh, Arizona and Mizzou on the other side playing them. You know for the second round. And also just to give kind of a shout out to the to the big Ten for volleyball Minnesota was the number two overall seed Illinois a number three overall seed plenty of other big Ten teams get you know scattered throughout so uh, uh big Ten volleyball let's start watching it this week
1: all right let's win Mac
2: um I would just like to give a little shout out to uh, my nephew Ryan I actually had to go to Iowa this weekend uh, for this wedding and I was a little You know, nervous going over there after that loss, but uh, they were pretty respectful fans, so I really did appreciate that. Had a good time at the wedding, and I think they feel what's coming on the horizon, so they're not going to get too cocky. It felt good.
1: All right. And Boomer.
3: Uh, well, first off, you know, I just want to again give a shout-out to McKenzie Milton and hope he recovers well from that injury. That's just terrible to see. And then the other shout-out is to uh, two former Huskers that uh, were competing in the Canada's Grey Cup tonight. Uh, both actually had a pretty decent game. Uh, Jonathan Rose had an interception for the Ottawa Redblacks, And uh, Shante Evans uh, actually won a title. He had an interception, and uh, the Calgary Stampeders ended up pulling off the, uh, off the
1: victory, so he has
3: himself championship rings. So
1: good job with that. Excellent, excellent. Uh, nothing like a great Cup championship. That's, Cianti uh, Evans, that's a name I haven't thought of in a while. Yeah, wow. no kidding, no
3: kidding. We've been in Calgary for a while, so that's, you know.
0: You know, I'm I'm true. just checking something right here on Facebook. Scott Frost gave a passionate speech to the Nebraska volleyball team. And they there's,
3: they probably really needed that upload that yeah, from a, to uh, compete at that championship level.
0: Showed so. a video of it. So.
1: Completely. Completely.
0: Hey, what kind of speech are you to give him? You know, one of those passionate ones. <laughs> <laughs> Any other kind of speech is just
1: an uh, albatross.
0: Those are the those are the best ones. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do a quick shout out to my my nephew Talon, who was brave enough to actually watch the Nebraska Iowa game with me and Honky. So, um, kind of getting indoctrinated into a real 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 passion there. And uh, it's good to see uh, the high schoolers uh, getting into Husker football. So hopefully we see a lot more of that uh, going forward with uh, next season. All right, guys, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. GBR, Go Big Red.